Hi, everyone, and welcome to the CamCast Spotlight, where we'll be speaking with experts within the sports betting industry to discuss topics and trends affecting the sports betting world today. My name is Peter Rainier, PR and Communications Manager for Camby, and in this episode, we'll be discussing same-game parlays. The concept of parlays has been around for some time, usually with traditional lines such as money line, point spread, and over-under totals. But with the advent of online sports betting, which has been available in Europe for some time, but has since exploded in the U.S. since the repeal of PASPA, it's created increased accessibility and convenience, and bettors now expect hundreds, if not thousands, of combinable offers. Hence the development of same-game parlays, which created a more diverse and complex betting experience while adding an extra layer of excitement for bettors. So we have a great panel of guests joining us today, Simon Noy, Jimmy Neely, and Scott Longley. Let's start with some introductions. Simon, if you want to start off and we'll go around the table. Yeah, sure thing. Thanks, Peter. So I've been in the industry about 15 years, been uh, at Canby since the beginning. So I've always worked in trading. So yeah, my current title is SVP of trading. When I started, I was in a pretty small team building out the, the live betting product back in 08. I now head up the overall team of about 350 odd people. I spend a load of my time pretty much shaping and trying to deliver our product strategy, building out what we call offering and pricing in line with what our operators and our prospective operators and end users really want. Awesome. And Jimmy, if you want to go next. Yeah. Hey, Peter. Thanks for having me on. My name is Jimmy Neely. I work for Eilers and Crycheck as the director of product analysis there. So I work with a lot of bettors and users of online sportsbook apps and then also online casino apps and kind of get their sentiment and their feelings in terms of what makes a good app, you know, what makes a good UX, what makes a good betting interface, what's a really good feature set, and produce a lot of reports at Alice and Crycheck centered around that. So and last but not least, Scott. Hi, Peter. Yeah, Scott Longley, a journalist who's been covering the online gaming sector for way too long and uh, written for many publications and most recently with writing for Earning Some More newsletter. Awesome. So I guess we'll get into it and we'll start with kind of the very beginning of parlays and how they originated going all the way back to Questabet. So Simon, I, I think I'll start with you on, on that topic if you want to kick things off. Sure. Yeah. The SGP origin story, I can never go. <laughs> going quite far back, as you say, over in Europe, very much around what's branded Requestabet. I think it was, it was a way to engage with with the socials, mostly Twitter, so people could could go in and add a bookie and get stuff added, added, sorry. So it's a way to give the end users more control, much more than before. Pretty much pioneered by Skybet, but then quickly followed by many others in the industry. And even now you can kind of see that legacy. So you still see hashtags appearing on sites in, in European offerings, particularly in the UK. And I think it was an introduction of what we would call pre-packs, so kind of pre-packaged combinations as well. So that was an early evolution of those things kind of connected to these requested combined bets. So the operators would then use those prepacks to build out the most popular requested stuff into a normal offering. And that's still today, I think, a key way to introduce newer players to, to the kind of concepts of SGPs, like let's build your own, but here's a combined in-game offer. And of course, at the beginning, all that stuff was almost completely created manually. So not at all scalable or quick in the request process. So just a sort of hint of control for the end users. And since then, making it scalable, making it really in their hands has been a big build out, both in Europe and around the world. Cool. I guess 
talk a little bit about where we are today with same game parlays. And Jimmy, if you can set the scene with how popular they are in today's market. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. So, I mean, obviously a lot of the work that I do and my team does at Alice and Crycheck is we're, we're talking to people, everyday people who use these online sportsbook apps and they're telling us every single testing round that we do, hey, same game parlay is amazing. They really, really enjoy it. Obviously with FanDuel was really the one that like kind of really drilled it home initially that was really driving same game parlay on the US side. And that has since kind of spread to a lot of different operators now. It's obviously an extremely popular feature. We really are grading and looking at it almost as its own category in a way now when we do a lot of our testing because it is so obviously the feature that people go to and are looking for that it, it kind of deserves that sort of that sort of pedestal to be on. In terms of like things that I would say same game parlay is is doing well right now in, in the space generally, obviously market depth is a big thing here. So when an app is offering not just like the core four sports in, in the US, so baseball, football, basketball, and, and, and you know, we'll include hockey in there. Um, if there is availability beyond that in terms of soccer or European football, that's obviously a huge plus. Um, testers obviously notice that, you know, being able to to combine individual player props in there is is, is another big thing. Live SGP is, is obviously a big thing where it's it's fairly limited in terms of its availability across the space. So that's something that we're we're keeping our eye on in terms of is that going to increase over time because testers obviously want to be able to do that more and more. And then signposting is actually a surprisingly really important thing here. When testers are on a homepage or you know on a sport page and they're looking for, hey, where can I even make a same game parlay? They want to see that little logo or that little icon on a particular game that that lets them know, oh, hey, I can go in here, I can find a certain space that's going to let me build a same game parlay and then do it there. So signposting is really important. The ability to track those SGPs is really important. And then ultimately, how the apps handle incompatible legs is actually a, quite a bit of a pain point at the moment. We're definitely seeing apps struggle to highlight which part of a leg is the incompatible one. And to users, they they build out that SGP initially thinking it's going to go through right away because, you know, <laughs> that's just what people think, right? Oh, I've done this. Like, like, why wouldn't it work? But when they get to a point that a leg is not working, that becomes really frustrating to them. It, it comes through in a lot of video um, evidence. They don't know where to go next. How do I clear out this one leg without something getting messed up in this SGP that I've built? So I think that's something where the industry at large needs to improve is how the communication of an incompatible leg in an SGP comes across to the user. That's really interesting. It makes loads of sense. Uh, in terms of where we are today, just to kind of give a feeling for how big this stuff is now, I could throw out a couple of data points from a popularity perspective and what we see on the, the Canby network. For some events, we're seeing as high as even as 50% of uh, pregame bets being placed on SGPs. Across the big sports, it's generally in the kind of 20 to 40% of pregame bets range. So, and even higher when it comes to revenue because it's such a high margin product. And yeah, as you mentioned, Jimmy, that on the live side, pretty early days. And we see in the market as well, and the big guys like DK and FanDuel are pretty comprehensive player props offering in, into live SGP as well on NFL. But I'd say the other big leagues and, and college and stuff, a long way to go to be comparable to what you can you know, the coverage pre, but yeah, that's growing nicely in popularity. So we see as much as 10% of live bets are on, on SGP now in, in NFL and trending up. So, so yeah, I think we see that's uh, that's definitely a, a really popular uh, area to keep investing in. Yeah. And I think in, in the U S market, the rise of same game parlays has kind of dominated 
since the repeal of PASPA. And I know, Scott, you spoke with Business Insider recently on that topic. So wondering if you could share some of what your thoughts are and, and the recent trends in, in the rise of same-game parlays. Yeah, I mean, when I'm in my, my regular work of doing the Earnings and More newsletter, we often hear from a lot of US leaders of the US space, whether it be DraftKings or FanDuel, Flutter, all the way through to Rush Street and Point Bet back before they got bought by Fanatics and all the rest. And the talk was, has been consistently for the last 18 months, two years, about the way that the product has developed and the way that Same Game Parlays has become, I think the, the term I used with Business Society was the killer app. And it, it clearly has become that. And I'm not so sure that that is actually by design. I don't know whether anybody knew that originally when the market opened. I certainly, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a product that was spoken about, I don't think, until relatively recently in the, the post-PASPA environment. I think what's interesting from the point of view of a company such as Flutter, indeed, or Fangel, is the way that I think that, and I think I'm right, Simon might be able to tell me this, whether I'm right on this. Effectively, the, the product that we see with Fangel has kind of been migrated from the product that Flutter was deploying with Sportsbet in Australia. That was very much a key, the way that they use the Build-A-Bet product there has kind of migrated throughout the whole flutter ecosystem and yeah uh, i think that that makes a lot of sense i think it's it's complicated technically how things are connected and rolled out yeah you know across that large organization and all the different components involved but i definitely think product strategy wise it's uh i can see that it's come from there and as, as you say they kind of yeah the post pasper conversation initially wasn't completely dominated by this uh, as a product strategy they led the way and it got louder and louder. I mean, I guess from our perspective, we always thought it was going to be important, but I can't say we thought it'd be so so prominent all the way from kind of investors to operators to to end users and hitting these kind of numbers where half your pregame bets are coming through yeah. that that area. Yeah, and I, th- I think the other the other area that I think is interesting, and again, I'm kind of this is kind of a, as a, as a question posed to both Simon and Jimmy, really, is, is effectively that you've got a situation with, in the post-passport environment, in the immediate post-passport environment, everybody assumed that live betting or in-play betting would be the, the killer app. That would be what everybody assumed was going to be the thing that people would latch onto in the US market. I seem to remember anyway, and that, that you know, like I say, I've been in the industry way too long for my memory to completely function on these kind of things. But, but in that sense, the idea that maybe in play got superseded by a different a product which nobody really initially thought was going to be the the killer app in the US uh, and and I think that's quite interesting and therefore the way that they're re-engineering same gay parlays as a way to introduce in play into the US market is quite interesting and that's a different evolutionary pattern that occurred in European markets uh, I don't know whether Simon maybe agrees with that. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting angle. I mean, I certainly I think people, or maybe us, wanted to talk about the things we were best at, the USPs, <laughs> and you know, it was so mature yeah. the live betting space and that kind of clear journey from a mature market in Europe. So I'd I'd agree with that to some extent. Mm. I think we do see though that just sort of live singles betting is very important. It's already forty uh, odd percent of the total uh, handle in the US. Yeah. So, you know, you can't discount that. But I think also that angle around a conversion route is quite interesting. I mean, certainly around when you connect it kind of to cash out, the lifetime of the bet, okay, 
as you extend the pricing power on all of the SGP space into live, then you can you can offer people cash out on their pre-game SGPs and more and more of the time and various other cash out features connected to that. So yeah, and I do think that can be a route in to engaging in the in-play side further. Yeah, one thing I, I would just kind of add on to it all is, you know, I, I, I'm no doctor, um, but I've always <laughs> heard that, you know, sinking parlay, it just it's kind of like it's firing neurons in your brain that are just different than what you experience on no, just a normal pre-match bet or just any sort of typical live bet, right? And I would have to assume reading through a lot of notes from testers over the years now that there is this element of creativity that comes with SGP that you are, you're ceding that creativity and control to the user, right? Like they are able to craft this, this bet that is their own, even though there are probably hundreds of other tens of thousands of other users that are probably crafting a very similar type of SGP bet to them, to that individual user. It is this unique thing that they've crafted and they can use their own unique sports knowledge to, or in order to kind of craft this same game parlay that, surely it's going to be a winner, right? And I think that is just one of those things that that is obviously driving a lot of the popularity around SGP and has made it such a such a dominant force in the future set right now. Yeah, as also one of the other things recently that, that caught my eye was the comments from Jim Chanos, Chanos, who's a hedge fund manager, who recently brought an end to his short of DraftKings on the basis that, um, as the way they, they titled it in an FT piece, about this, they said, "Oh, um, Chanos has decided that American betters are too dumb, and that, that there's more money in the business than they than he originally thought." And uh, <laughs> and I think he's actually misreading. I think he's misreading what Jimmy just said there, which is Jimmy said the point is here. This is where the the beauty of same game parlays, for from an operator's point of view, comes out is that in part, yeah, you're you're giving the the user this kind of element of creativity and choosing their bet and being involved. And thinking, like you say, I'm, I'm onto a winner here. But actually, what they're doing is they're, they're in, a, in a real sense, they're digging their own betting grave because they're, they're building a product which gives way more money to the odds maker than would previously have been the case. And Chanos has kind of has identified something, has, hasn't quite identified it in the right way, I think. But I think what the point is there is, is what the bookies have produced is what everybody has been talking about for many, many years of betting as an entertainment product. And that is what Same Game Pilots is. It's betting as an entertainment product. And therefore, people are willing to seed that kind of level of, well, I might not win this, but it's so much more fun doing this than it is just betting on single odds. Yeah, I mean, it, it fits well into, say, for example, NFL Sunday and Red Zone, where you have all the action right in front of you every game. And, you know, you have a leg on five different games and it's just all coming at you at once. So it does, to your point, create another level of excitement for betters. I guess the next thing I kind of want to get into is is the technical side of things and kind of the complexities of, of building a leading same-game parlay product. Simon, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about some of the hallmarks of an effective one. It's trading, risk management, uh, regulatory compliance, all of those things. Sure. Yeah, I can certainly try. It's uh, Yeah, I'd say it's a major technical challenge to produce what is you know, currently competitive, both in terms of offering and pricing. I mean, first, the model needs to be serious cutting edge model, built bottom up, simulating the, the outcome in the SGP by running every single play in the event, you know, thousands of time on request, incredibly quickly, you know, tenths of a second, the user needs to, to be able to see the price for the selection they're requesting. So it's a, it's a massive undertaking. It's taken us over five years to, to build this, to get this in place. 
you know, and, and it's even harder in into the live environment, I'd say, but the, the kind of pricing challenge, all the new inputs into the model, the speed of those models and all the fresh fresh inputs as all the all the different players are doing things in the game and also, and you're pricing all those player props. So that that kind of pricing challenge in terms of how mature the model needs to be and the technical bit. So again, sort of the speed, getting the odds on request, possibly updating in someone's bet slip all the time if you want cash out to be visible and all of the above kind of available from our perspective, available anywhere in the world. So you need clusters for uh, different states around the world so you can you can make that whole UX kind of workable. Yeah, very cool. So I think the direction I want to head now, we might have kind of touched on it a little bit, but how quality bet builder or same game parlay product is integral to meeting the demands of the better where you know it was once here is what you can bet on and now it's up to the better to say here's what i want to bet on and what kind of effect does that have uh, on the end user as far as demand goes when when placing bets yeah i can kind of take that one simon i i almost feel like you and i are uh, on opposite ends of the spectrum here where I, i'm giving you all the feedback from the the everyday user who's just saying like well why doesn't this work why isn't this super seamless? Right. why isn't this easy <laughs> And you're sitting there working for years trying to make like a, a complete functional SGP product. So, so, exactly. so don't, don't mind like, me here with with my just critiques. flip the switch. Just flip the yeah, switch. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Why doesn't it just work? It should just work. Yeah, that easy. Exactly. You, know, you don't want it to be too easy, though. Yeah. But you don't want, exactly. Yeah, you don't want it to be too easy. What I can say is, in our research, you know, what we find is a lot of the simple stuff is really what makes a, an SGP product good. So, what do I mean by that? So processing times, once someone has actually made their SGP, put it in their bet slip, they're ready to hit place bet. How long is that processing time? Is that done in a few seconds? Does it take six, seven, eight seconds? That obviously isn't that long of a time, but when you're comparing it to top tier apps that can get it done in two, three, four seconds to a tester, once it gets to six, seven, eight seconds, that may as well be an eternity. So I mean, like that, that really is like the number one thing is processing times. Second thing is, I, I mentioned it kind of at the top, the incompatibility of legs and how that is handled and how that is communicated to, to the tester. That can just be a really frustrating thing for a user. So any way that, that a bet slip can show, okay, here are like, um, I'm almost thinking of Bet365s, they almost have like a subway design of like, here's like the subway um, stops almost on a map, like here are the here are all the legs. And if on those subway stops, you could show here's here's the red one, here's the one that needs to be swiped out. And you can just do that easily and then recombine. Um, that's really something that testers appreciate any sort of clear communication over incompatible legs. Obviously, the bet completing in, in any sort of way. And then is there any sort of toggle for accepting odds changes immediately so that they don't have to go through the process of being told there was an odds change, accept the odds, replace the bet. These are all things that are really driving successful SGP products. And then the last thing I would say is the way it is actually designed and presented to, to the user. So well, what do I mean by that? Well, there are a bunch of different ways that apps actually show their SGP tool to, to people. Some apps just use a tab that's within each individual game. Testers tend to prefer that, although I can't tell if that's more of a, it's kind of like a chicken and egg thing. Like do testers like it because a lot of apps generally do that or do apps do that because testers really, or users really enjoy that. So it's a little bit of a chicken egg thing there, but tab style seems to be the way that users prefer it to be done. I know DraftKings has almost its own module where you know you're you're kind of swiping in to say like I want to build a uh, same game parlay, um, and it takes you to a completely separate screen with specific types of bets that you can actually add in there. That seems to be a less preferred style. 
And then even below that would just be like building within your bet slip. Um, I, th I think a lot of users, I don't want to say they don't appreciate that, but I, I think they prefer having tab or it, an own, its own module in order to um, actually build out an SGP. Yeah, that's interesting there, Jimmy. I mean, our assumption has always been, well, if everything was combinable, you wouldn't need that kind of journey. Like you wouldn't need separate right. tabs. It would just be an assumption and always trying to get there. Do you think that's borne out in the in the testing? I think really what it is is because so many apps use tab style like that like it is just its own tab whenever you're on a particular game. I think users just naturally gravitate towards that. Oh, this is something that I'm used to. I've seen this before. I've seen this on this app, this app, this app and this app. Yeah. Therefore, I am used to it and I know what to do here. Yeah, Whereas exactly. when you go to when you go to your own module when it becomes it's it's funny you would think like if it was own dedicated tool that would be better and probably it is. But to a user, it isn't necessarily better because they're used to a certain style across the whole landscape, across all of the apps that they use. Um, and that tends to be the tab within a specific game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, I think it's been the tab setup and, and UI is probably there to stay. But a, a user who expects full combinability, I can have SGP on anything. They'll just build from the sort of normal tabs. They don't need a new tab. And that requires everything to be combinable. And maybe some extra signposting and stuff, you know, especially in the short term where they're not they're not sure they're not aware it will be combinable. Yeah, Jimmy, I'm actually interested to hear your thoughts on dynamic pricing, which I'm starting to see in a couple other operators apps where, you know, instead of choosing your selections and then opening the bet slip to see where your odds are, the odds update as you're building your slip. I'm wondering, is, does that test well? Is that something that people prefer? Or do they want to see it all in one place on a slip after they're done? going through it. it it tests it tests incredibly well so when mm -hmm. when when dynamic odds changes are visible and not every app does that but, mm -hmm. but when they are visible it gets a lot of positive commentary so i mean that is obviously a preferred way probably the least preferred element of, of what you're talking about here is when individual legs of a same game parlay the odds of those legs aren't shown that it, it actually is something that that testers like to see is what what are the individual odds of each leg within this same game parlay and then obviously mm -hmm. what is the total odds uh, of this bet that I'm about to make. But but yeah, to, specifically to what you're saying, dynamic odds are, are much appreciated. And whenever they're available and shown, testers like it. Cool. So we've kind of covered the origin of parlays. We've covered where we are here and now. So I'm sure you can guess where we're going to go next. Um, <laughs> Scott, I'll, I'll start with you. But what's next for same game parlays? And how do you think this product might continue to evolve? I'm not the pers person to to be able to suggest where I think it'll evolve. I can see what the companies are saying about their same game parlays, and I can see more to the point, the amount of effort that they're putting into developing the product, because they're talking about it all the time. If we look at DraftKings, for instance, with its progressive parlays, it kind of unveiled in a, in a very almost dramatic fashion at its uh, Capital Markets Day event just, just a few weeks back. It's kind of like, they, it, it shows the extent to which they are intent on pushing down the road of Parlay's products generally. They're going to be pushing and pushing and pushing at Parlay products because they know that that's what the consumer wants. As Jimmy kind of described there, the consumer has clearly got a desire for ever more products, better products, more clearly understandable products. I'm interested in what Jimmy says there about the incompatible thing, and, and uh, maybe you can explain a bit more of that. But I think clearly likes of DraftKings and FanDuel are just simply going to keep pressing ahead with their own developments of the products 
And I'm sure Simon is well aware of what they're trying to do and well aware of how they're pushing their the product ahead and, and the, the extent to which, and I'm not suggesting that everybody else is playing catch up, but the extent to which everybody else has to follow along that path because that's where they're heading. That's where the consumer's heading. I think when you say that chicken and egg situation there, Jimmy, I do kind of get the impression that it's not really that, that it is the consumer that wants something and the consumer that's desiring more along these lines. And that is dragging all the operators along in behind it. And that's really what's leading it now. Whether or not that was originally the case, I don't know. But it seems to me there's a, a consumer wave here that people are going with. And I, I guess that puts, as some kind of hinted out earlier, that puts pressure on the suppliers and everybody building these products just because the consumer just expects perfection. <laughs> and if you're not given perception, and like I say, that's what I think is interesting about that incompatible thing, because I think that that's an indication of if that's something that needs to be ironed out, that's something they will earn out. Just a low, low bar of perfection. That that's all. That's all users yeah. demand. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, if, if, if it's that thing, isn't it? If what everybody used to say, and particularly in Europe, everybody said, "Well, yeah, people are used to these perfect apps that get them their food, that get them their taxis, that get them their flights, <laughs> do everything." They have these perfect apps on their phone. And if you put a betting app against it and it doesn't work, mm. it's going to fail in that test. It doesn't matter about how it fails against every other betting app. It's whether or not it fails when it's up against Uber or up against uh, Lyft. And they're, and they're not going to think about the complexity of a bet and how to technically make no. that go through. They're just comparing it to like, where is my food? Where is my lift ride? Where is my bet? Like, why is my and bet every, not? Yes. <laughs> and it's, it's, the equivalent, it's the equivalent of when you're on your Uber app and, you know, the car doesn't appear for, for, for like 30 seconds. And you're like, well, where is it? You know, it, it, without you thinking, exactly. you're, not wor- you're not worried about the, how, how the connection goes between the driver and the app and the app and you. And you're just like, exactly. where's my car? It, 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 yeah, it's exactly right. It, it, when I mentioned before, you know, like two, three, four seconds of processing time, you know, it gets a thumbs up from testers. And then once it goes to six, seven, eight seconds, they're like, oh. what the heck's going on? Like, why is this happening when it should be happening? That That's really kind of what you're talking about, Scott, that yeah. that whole, that perception, uh, perception isn't the right word, but but that that whole is kind of lost when, when, when you talk about food, where is it? Ride, where is it? bet why is it not completing when i think it should be completed or why is yeah. it not happening the way that i think it should be happening so yeah so I'm totally. to say, i think i think your job is done yes never not, gonna make... easy. <laughs> <laughs> not gonna get any easier no i totally agree that's part of the fun i think and uh, yeah it's a place place to win isn't it i think as you say even if it's a an expectation and it's hard to deliver that's the game we're playing for sure i mean a couple of those th- things to pick up on there as well i think the end users they do know what they like they they do love it you know i think that's the reason sgp is so popular and the reason everyone has invested and will continue to invest in it you know just from that chicken and egg perspective also i mean that like the draftkings release progressive parlays i mean maybe it's a hint as well at what we were talking about earlier the yes this is an entertaining product but it is a very high margin product and is it is it impacting, you know, it's not so fun losing, it's not so fun never winning. So I think operators are thinking about ways to, if not change the theoretical margin, find ways to, of course, promote these things, but also kind of give back. I mean, keep the engagement. And essentially, the sort of margin at a player level doesn't need to be so big. 
So, you know, those those kind of things. And especially when you almost win an SGP, you know, that feeling you don't get anything. And so I think like expanding beyond just insurance and into fun other products on that kind of range. I think that could definitely be a way people invest in this this uh, this problem that it might be too high margin or uh, and that can that can be a place to win. Yeah, I think I mean just as a sort of fundamentals, I mean making everything this is a bit wider than SGP, but I mean making everything combinable it's always been our, our thinking like that's where you want to be. So the the whole pre-offer, the whole live offer, the season bets, everything, you know, across many many sports. There's still so much uh, ground to cover there. Everybody will be investing in that i mean from a canby perspective we're also investing in uh, we're releasing stuff so operators can actually build pre-packaged sgps and other combinations across events and within events so they can build their own and so they can kind of they know their end users best they know their local markets best so so tooling from our perspective in, in the b2b space i think that's a way to build out the sort of relevance of sgps yeah, and then finally, I mean, looking forward, we we definitely see kind of increased flexibility on SGPs across more dimensions. So, for example, operate uh, sorry, end users can say this thing to happen or this thing to happen. You know, I want to I want to win when that that when I've built that kind of combination, or this thing to happen and this thing to happen, but not this other thing. You know, get some credit in the any kind of uh, dimension of their opinion. So I think those kind of, and again, that's that's about pricing power. It's being able to model sort of any situation. Cool. Yeah, I, I think we're we're all really excited to see where these types of products head, and a year from now, what what they'll look like, and and how we'll be betting. Because I'm sure it'll evolving for for some time. But I want to thank our guests again, Scott, Simon, and and Jimmy for joining us. It was a great first episode of our CambyCast Spotlight. And we hope listeners enjoyed, and we hope to hear from you guys again soon. Thank you, Peter. Thanks, Peter. Pleasure. Thank you, guys.